Hi there! My name is Kevin and I just recently left the retail industry after making a living inside it for 23 years. In that time I have met a lot of interesting people on both sides of the counter. But this podcast is for those heroic folks working nearly every night, weekend, and holiday to make sure the retail machine keeps chugging. These are their stories. These are the wild things they've gone through. And these are Retails. Boy, howdy. Hopefully this is just like riding a bike. Welcome back, everybody. I'm glad we're together again. Welcome to the latest episode of Retails, heroic and humorous tales from Retail's front lines. This is a little redundant because, well, my voice just told you on the intro who the hell I am, but my name's Kevin. After 23 years in retail, I found my way out of it. I am out in the world, I am a civilian, and I'm not bitter toward the retail experience at all. It has shaped a lot of things in my life, as you're going to find out through this podcast. Before we get into the monologuing and then this week's guest, we like to get the business out of the way up front, so let's go ahead and do that now. Ways you can support retails? Well, the easiest way is to do exactly what you're doing right now. Listen. Subscribe and listen. We've got feeds on Apple, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. You can subscribe on all of those and a lot of other platforms, too, that sort of piggyback off of those. But whatever you do, hit the subscribe button. If there's a like button, hit the like button. If you can give us a rating, give us five stars. If you can leave a review, give us an emoji thumbs up or whatever you see fit. These are all things that help get eyes on our podcast. Have you ever been on social media and thought, why the hell is something on Twitter I'm not even following? Like seeing, like, why is it on my timeline? Well, it's because of stuff like that. If things get popular enough, if there's enough interaction, it sort of gets more eyes on the feed of the podcast. If we get more eyes, we can get more ears too. There's a Retails t-shirt if you like the show and want to wear our logo. You want to wear that cover art from this podcast. Maybe have a stranger ask you, what is that? And have a chance to tell them. Or if you just are in a spot where you can support the podcast financially, ProWrestlingTees.com slash Kevin Harvey. Those are largely t-shirts from my professional wrestling company, Rise, developing tomorrow's wrestling attractions. But there is a shirt specific to this podcast. In fact, it's exactly the cover art of this podcast. So look at your phone, look at your computer, look at your tablet, whatever you're listening on. It's basically that on a black t-shirt. Priced at $19.99, shipping worldwide. We also have a Patreon page that is for the entire Rise Podcasting Network. We have this podcast, Retails, and of course the sister wrestling podcast, Talent on the Rise, a professional wrestling-centric podcast. But we're trying to use the Patreon to help level up both. We've got three basic reward levels. $1 a month gets you dollar for holler. We will shout you out on Sponsor's Corner every week on this show. The $5 level gets you early bird and the holler, the shout out on Sponsor's Corner. And then $30, any commercial you want. If somebody out there wants to advertise their product, if you want to have a laugh and write a like an SNL-style commercial, let us know. That's basically the reward for people who are spending a little bit more. Let's have a laugh or let's plug your stuff. Speaking of Sponsors Corner, it's time for Sponsors Corner. We've only got one. He's probably our most loyal listener. Dan, thank you for supporting the podcast. And since you are on that $5 tier... The next two episodes are going to go on Patreon in the next day and a half to two days, so you're going to get them early as promised. And just like that, the business is done. So what's been going on? It's been a couple weeks off. Well, as we've said, I don't want to make this totally about wrestling because that's a separate podcast, but the last couple weeks when we really took that break, that's when wrestling was really, really crazy. I was at this big convention called StarCast. If you're a wrestling person, you know what it is. If you're not a wrestling person... It's uh, 
It was at the Hyatt Regency in Schaumburg, Illinois. Multiple conference rooms. We had meet and greets. There were panel discussions. There was sort of a satellite location where we actually did a live episode of Talent on the Rise. Had a merchandise booth. We had special guests in and out. <laughs> Saw random people. Even if you're a casual wrestling fan, this is the kind of event where I'm just walking around and, oh, hey, Sergeant Slaughter, what's up, Greg the Hammer Valentine? Who is that? Oh, that is Oscar from Men on a Mission. Those names may not mean a darn thing to one person listening to retails, but that's kind of what we were dealing with. Some of the top stars of today from the independent circuit, from All Elite Wrestling, a lot of names you may remember from WWE, the National Wrestling Alliance, WCW, ECW, just a smorgasbord of basically everybody in pro wrestling, kind of in one spot in the greater Chicago area. And then there was a major event at the Sears Center, had a lot of folks who've actually been part of Rise who are part of that. Very fun to see that. And then Rise itself had a pay-per-view event the very next day on September 1st. So it was a breakneck couple of weeks. A lot of stuff going on. But I've also been sort of, uh, I don't know, plotting retails. Trying to think of what are some things that we can do with this show. Beyond just telling the stories of those who join us. Because the reality is, as you guys just found out, I might not be able to line up a guest every week. The good news is, is I've got a good three episodes that are in the can, ready to go. The interviews are done, in fact. This is part one of two. You'll get part two next week. But the reality is adults are busy. People are busy. Kids are busy. Everybody's busy, right? Everybody's got something going on. So there may even be times when we don't have a guest lined up. So trying to come up with what are what do those episodes look like? What does the in-between look like? And at the same time, trying to get in contact with some of my old friends from retail. Or even, I've got kind of a golden goose that I'm trying to set up. It's a little bit challenging because it's it's somebody that I really want to do the interview face-to-face because my guess is it would probably end up being a two- or a three-parter because it's somebody who actually shaped more of my perception of retail, customer service, and really just how do you interact with people in the world more than a lot of folks out there. Probably one of the top five outside of anybody who's a blood relation to me. But with that one, there's a couple hundred miles of separation. Somebody's got to get in a car and go somewhere, so we're working that out. I'm really hoping that one works out really, really soon. But on top of that, just trying to think, what else could we do with this show? I think one thing we're going to do is I'm going to do special episodes or maybe even monologues on scams because that's something that it was really inspired by a call that I got when I was in Toronto for some wrestling stuff at the beginning of August. And then even calls that I got multiple times yesterday. There's the social security scams, a big one. Gift card scams are a big one. All kinds of credit card fraud, identity fraud, cellular phone fraud. You may or you may not even know that's a big thing if you haven't necessarily worked inside of the retail bubble or had it happen to you or somebody you care about. There's just a lot of different scammy, fraudy, just let's just say shitty things out there in the world. Yes, we do casually swear here on retails. We try to make it not the focal point of everything, but if it gets tagged explicit... That's why. We try not to make it too foul, but every once in a while you need a good swear word for emphasis, right? At least that's my take and it's my show. So yes, you need a swear word for emphasis every once in a while. Now, instead of making this monologue too long, we're going to get it over to this week's guest. And the guest and I had, we talked for a long, long time. And at some point we did talk about one word that is very controversial in the retail world. And it's more controversial on the company side than the employee side. We're going to talk about the U-word, unions. And I have a lot of thoughts of that because I have been on both sides of that coin. And quite honestly, I don't want to monologue because I don't know at what point I'm going to split this interview into two parts. So it may be on the back end of this. 
It may come up during the interview, but just know that this week and then next week, we're going to dive a lot into unions in retail environments. But let's get to this week's guest. Who is this week's guest? It's a guy named Bobby. You're going to hear me call him Bobby and Rob because, well, we're, we're only a handful of episodes in. And this is somebody who I've known as Rob the entire time I've known him. But episode one was a guy named Rob, so we are going to have some repeat names here and there. That's just to differentiate those episodes, especially since we're in the first few. But Bobby, Rob, or whatever thousand names I call him throughout the course of this interview, solid guy. Lot of retail experience. And he and I were in the trenches together, both as a manager and employee, and then we were both in leadership roles. And this is just a really fun conversation. I hadn't had a chance to talk to Bobby since, like, January. He ended up making his exit from the retail world. And then about six, seven months later, whatever it was, I made my exit. And it's funny that you can really tell who your real friends are in this world by, by who you actually stay in touch with, or even if it's rare, when you can just talk and talk and talk. When it's like riding a bike and you just you, you get the conversation going and you have a good time. So I hadn't even seen or heard Rob or seen his face or talked to him in seven months or eight months, something like that. And I think as you guys will hear... We had a really fun conversation, so fun that it went a long, long time, and it's going to be two episodes, so I think it's that time of the week when we do the running gag and we throw it over to Johnny to play in a guy named Bobby. <laughs> and yet another time, Johnny, he just nails it, doesn't he? Absolutely. How, how do you feel being in the studio with Johnny? Is this a is this a humbling experience? Kevin, it's a dream come true. Well, we are we are here in the glorious uh, studio Del Ludo. Vice President Ludo is here with us, and let's see here. We got a guy named Bobby. How about yeah, that? Man. A guy named Bobby because the first episode was a guy named Rob, so Correct. I can't do that. But a, a guy named Bobby, and I worked with Bobby for what five, six years? Uh, six years. Wow. Now uh, retail. You know that's what this is all yeah. about. The reason you're here is, uh, well, number one, we've gotten to actually just spent like the last hour or so talking. We probably should have had the microphones on the entire right. time that you've been here. But we're kind of forever bond. It's the first you and I have actually been face-to-face since, what, January, December, that's January, correct. something right, like right. that. And we used to see each other basically every day. Uh-huh. But uh, where, at what point does retail come into your life? Because I know you didn't just magically end up in retail the, exactly. the day that I met you. Yeah, so it started, uh, first job, I was 18, and I think I could say the name because they went out of business, but I started with Circuit City, um, got hired in there, and they said, um, hey, you know, do you want to work, work home theater or computers? And I'm like, eh, let's just try home theater. Um, so I was working the home theater department at Circuit City for, God, three and a half years, and then when they went out of business, I think in 2009, I went across the street to their competitor. And I was there for another three and a half years. And I took a small stint from retail to be a 911 dispatch operator, which was kind of wild. I always forget about that. Yeah. Yeah. I went to college and in college I majored in English and then I minored in law enforcement because I wanted to be a cop. Right. But I loved English and reading and writing. Um, and so I, I often got the joke that if I'd ever pull somebody over, I'd recite Moby Dick to them. Right. Because they just <laughs> thought it was the two the strangest matchups of uh, of majors, period. But yeah, so I went to college wanting to be a cop and, you know, I think the political climates have changed and it's a profession I don't want to pursue as much anymore. 
getting too much into the weeds there. But, you know, I thought, hey, let's give a crack at maybe doing something with a police department. In this case, it was a sheriff's department. And so, yeah, I was a 911 operator for about six-ish months. And it was a cool gig. Uh, I took a lot of interesting calls. Oh, we can talk about that later. I took two UFO calls, which yes. uh, that's not in the training manual, by the way. <laughs> so that was pretty wild. Um, but, yeah, it just... You know, it's a desk job. It's 99%. I'm sitting in front of four computer monitors, and it's you know, it's kind of sterile like that in the environment. And so my roommate at the time uh, was a specialist with the company that you worked for, Kevin, and he was my in for an interview. And, yeah, I spent the last or almost the last six years you and I working together for that retailer and then recently left back in January, February, and I'm doing kind of more tech stuff nine to five Monday through Friday. So yeah, if you tally it up, 13, 14 years retail. That's that's a lot. And it, yeah, it, it's a, it's funny how fast it adds up. Sneaks up on you. When, if you, and if you're in a re, the belly of the retail beast, time really just zips along, especially uh, depending on what kind of retailer you have. Uh, back to school is like a universally busy season for yep. almost any kind of retailer. Consumer electronics stores, people are getting laptops, smartphones, tablets, and things to, to go mm-hmm. off to college clothing okay it's kind of a thing you get new school clothes right sure. uh, even just uh, fundamental groceries now we've got to have more groceries on hand because we got to pack lunches to to send to school yeah. stuff like that and it's the time just flies and even though i was out of the retail bubble by the middle of july i i just kind of realized like it's not summer anymore mm-hmm. like labor day was at this point god almost two weeks ago mm-hmm. it's crazy just how how the time you're almost caught in this time warp of you just kind of go, uh, depending on the retailer, based on the marketing material yeah. in the store, maybe the the color of shirt. Like, oh, we're red. I guess it must be it yeah. must be holiday time, or right. or the marketing material has trees. I guess we're somewhere between Halloween and yeah. and Valentine's Day. And I think it's just a, a getting old thing. Like when you were a kid, I mean, time just stood still. A three month summer felt like an eternity sometimes. Yeah. And I think when adulthood kicks in, yeah, you just become we become overwhelmed with, you know, adult responsibilities, right? You know, what my car broke down last week. And so the last two weeks I've been infatuated with getting that repaired. Do I repair it? Do I buy something new? And then now, you know, the time goes by because you're just filling all the time with all these other really important things. So yeah, it's it's absolutely insane how fast time flies like that. And then especially in retail, you have all those kind of little parameters with the shirts changing and then different sales and things of that nature that just kind of expedites things. It, it's it's weird when you actually just stop and think about different times because mm-hmm. the first retailer I ever worked with, in my mind, feels like I worked with them forever. Right. In reality, it was about eight years altogether. Mm-hmm. And then I, I remember there was a point with one of the more recent retailers I'd worked where I'd worked in just one location for more than eight years. And I was just like, how is it possible I've been in just this one location and that other retailer, I'd done a couple of grand openings, transferred a few times. Yeah. It's just wow! How does and it seemed like that time the greater length of time went significantly faster. Mm-hmm. But I, I think it's it's kind of that growing up. Even though I wasn't a kid the majority of the time. I mean, I started working at right. that retailer when I was 16 years old, so I was a kid. But I, there's just so much I feel like learning or schooling that went on in that because I was forming mm-hmm. opinions on this is how I lead people. This mm-hmm. is how I lead by example. This is how I deal with the wild, wacky, crazy world of retails. And, but then the older you get, you're a little more set in your ways. You've got more experience. You've, you've got your playbook, mm-hmm. I guess. It's, yeah. I guess I would equate it to, I wonder if playing in the NFL for 20 years seems like it, you know, just 
doesn't take all that long because you spent so much time in rocket football and then maybe seventh and eighth grade football, high school. I just, I wonder how that works comparatively. I think you develop a rhythm when you and I worked together. I had the same nearly parking spot. It wasn't like a reserved parking spot, but somewhere in this neighborhood that I would park it every single day. And I just had a rhythm of, okay, go to the break room. You drop off your lunch bag. You now get into the room. You put your coat away. Okay. You check this email. Like, and I swear to Pete, 99% of the time, it just follows this rhythm. And before you know it, you're clocking out and then you're grabbing your bag and you're back in your car where you've parked for the last six years. And it's like <laughs> you could blindfold me and I could do it to the letter of the law, like just perfectly. So yeah, I think three tail, you just kind of develop that rhythm and that time just, just flies away from you sometimes. And it's funny how that works. Cause with retail, you're never working like a consistent schedule never. in the majority of cases. Now, never. some places you may know that, okay, Tuesday's my late mm-hmm. day or Thursday's the day that I have the really early shift. Sure. Uh, but it's almost always kind of a scramble. You can be working. And yeah. if it's a retailer that actually closes, provided it's not like a 24 hour operation, uh-huh. Usually you're going to start anywhere between 6 and 7 a.m. And then you could be working as late as like 11 p.m. or midnight. Just just depends on the business. Everybody's mm-hmm. got their own model. And it's funny you say that because like I've, you know, I'm a kind of a creature of compulsive habits too. For about a two-year run after a new parking garage was built uh, in proximity to the last place uh-huh. that I worked, I parked within probably other than like two weeks in December for a couple of years because it just gets insanely busy in this little downtown shopping area. I probably parked within a five spot radius. There was a conduit. Like I was so compulsive that I would get to like level three and a half of the parking garage and there yeah. was a conduit just before the bend. I'd be like, okay, I'm either going to park at the conduit or within probably five spots on either side. I of think it. I know the exact spot you're talking about. Cause you just yeah. get to that point of, okay, if I'm running late, then I know that, okay, I need to accelerate my pace to yeah. this. And it's, you just, you set into these, it, it's funny how I, I think a lot of people in retail a fair assessment would be they are set in their ways. You said something really interesting um, about knowing how soon you have to make it to work. Kevin, did you ever look at how bad traffic was, look at how bad parking was, and as you're walking to work, you're like, today's going to be miserable. I had to park at the fifth level and not the three and a half level, and you're just like, I bet you half of Illinois is going to be down here. Because I tell you what, when I had to park like extra far away, I'm just like, they're all at our store. They're all at our store, and it's going to be a crazy day. Yeah, it's. It, I'll tell you the two days, even just in the last year, that, that absolutely happened. Where it's, I, I can admit one of my faults is when I'm wound up, I'm not the most composed individual. Uh-huh. Like and for customers, we and you and I were talking about earlier on previous episodes of the podcast, we talk about how important it is to be composed for customers, but to like those who I'm closest with, like there's no filter of any kind. If, mm-hmm. I, if I'm pissed, it's F this, fuck that. Blah, 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 mm-hmm. blah, blah. I don't know how I censored one and not the other, but yeah, here we are. <laughs> here you go. <laughs> I'm half censored today. You made the attempt. Uh, but there were two different times. In the, in the city where you and I worked together, there was not the best logistical planning for a, a major attraction sure. that was in that downtown. And I mean, I'll go out there and say, because these things are all over, but what was it? Chris Crindle Mart? It's oh, yep, some sort of gimmicky, like German Christmas town kind yep. of thing. I may be butchering the name. I'm not trying to throw any sort of like cultural shade or anything here. You're I, I very just, close. I'm, yeah. I'm very, I'm mostly certain that that's in the ballpark of how it's pronounced. So this Chris Crindle Mart, especially on weekends, was a major attraction. And I believe that's a case everywhere that these have popped up. And it's no secret that I live in the ma- in the Metro Chicago area. That's where we are now. And there's several of these and they're pretty big attractions and bring in a lot of people. The inherent problem though, is when you bring them into a neighborhood, mm-hmm. 
there isn't magically parking for these, and I don't know what the stats were, but I would wager it's probably between like one and three thousand extra people that we would be brought in on a Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So there were multiple times getting back to your actual point here about did you ever just think, oh, this is gonna be like a shit day? Right. I would drive all the way to work, go to my parking garage, could not find a spot within five spaces I of the conduit. This, yeah. And by the time you're on that like fifth vulture lap through a parking garage, I actually drove all the way home yep. and got a lift to drop me off at work and ended up paying something like between 20 and 30 bucks or something to get to and from work that day just because I was so wound up about my compulsive habit yeah. of if I leave for, if I work at 2 p.m., I live relatively close, so I, I can leave at like as late as 1.37, and I will get a spot within five. Man, you upset that apple cart. Yeah. Whew, I'm, I'm not, not the most pleasant. I was at work the day you did that, and I couldn't believe the text you sent because you, I mean, you paraphrased it perfectly. I've circled the garage. I'm now heading back home. I'll be lifting or Ubering back to work. And, you know, good for you for coming back to work. I think myself and 99% of the people listening to this would have just called it, right? Just, I'm going to take a sick day, a personal day. It takes me crazy anyway. So, hey, kudos to you for getting to work one way or the other. The the one that pissed me off even more was, it, and the, there was one time where I admit I probably should have planned more time mm-hmm. to get to work that day. Like, I left at the normal time, not thinking it's Saturday. It's within a couple weeks of Christmas. This is probably going to be a, a really bad parking day. Another time I left with, I want to say like, if it normally takes me between like 15 and 25 minutes to do the entire process of drive to work, park, mm-hmm. walk to the store, everything, I think I gave myself at least like 60 minutes or maybe even like an hour 15. Was, yeah, this is good. And I still mm-hmm. ended up just saying F it and driving all the way home and getting an Uber. And we're talking about like, generally speaking, in downtown, you could say this about any downtown area. It's a rock you can always throw. Parking sucks. Well, it doesn't suck. It's just you're going to a congested area. Yeah. There's, there's only going to be so many room, so much spot for so many cars. And this is an area where there's street parking, garage yeah. parking, time limit parking. But, man, you, you get to those last two weeks of December. There are no rules for parking. So, bucket of honesty, uh, I remember there was a big chain gym I used to work out at, like one of those big, massive gyms. And I would come home from work at like eight or nine o'clock. I would do a drive through the gym parking lot. If that lot was 98% full, I would just go straight home because I knew that once I got inside that gym, it was going to be miserable. So yeah, I completely get it. You know, you you case the parking lot and that's going to dictate a lot of how that experience is going to be. So yeah, it's, it's spot on. And then on a similar note, you and I, I think, had joked about this a bit in the the place where we worked together, which, which was a very high foot traffic mm-hmm. place in general at all times of year. The, the joke I would always make is, when aren't where there any times you aren't busy? Like, we're only busy on days that end in Y. Sure. Like, it, it was just a tired old joke, but it was true. It was just always kind of crazy. Oh, see, my, my line was, they'd always ask, when are you guys slow? And so we opened at 10 a.m. I said, between 10 a.m. and 10.10, it's relatively quiet. But yeah, the days end in Y is pretty accurate too. <laughs> the, uh, the, did you ever do the like uh, questioning your life decision walk whether, at any retailer where you, and it usually happens around those peak times, holiday, mm-hmm. back to school, or like new new product release kind of things. Like if the new PlayStation comes out at Circuit City, sure. I'm sure that was a nuts day kind yep. of thing, right? Where you, you actually do that, you're walking and almost all retail stores have uh, some sort of facade that you can see into yep. where you do that. Okay. I'm going to walk past the store to go get a coffee or a sandwich or something. You're doing whatever that pre-work yeah. ritual may be. 
where you walk past it, but you slow your pace and look mm, without looking it's dangerous, and do man. that. Oh man, do I really want to do this today? Yeah. But it, it's funny because I've seen when I caught myself doing that, and this was this was probably like 10, 15 years ago. I caught myself for the first time doing this, like the hesitance walk, the mm-hmm. there's still time to get sick. Uh-huh. Or I hope no, if no one sees me, maybe I could still go home. And I, I never did, but I, you, you see when you know that behavior, you see it in so many people. If you're mm-hmm. a, a greeter at a retail store, whether somebody is now or you've ever been a greeter at a retail store, keep an eye out for those employees that aren't at work yet and see if they're doing that right. uncertain. Oh, what am I in for today? It's dangerous. You can't do that. It's a lot like skydiving, right? If you haven't been skydiving, when you're in the the door of the plane about to jump out. Just, just you look straight ahead. They always tell you focus on the horizon. So, like what you're referring to is you poke, you know, poke your head out. You're looking at the ground, and that's terrifying. You just got to look <laughs> straight ahead because depending where I parked that day, I would have to walk past our store to get to the break room, and that exact same thing would happen. And I would just fix my gaze straight. And just, I wouldn't do that because you're right. It, it gets it's tempting to then skip out on work. I'll tell you the, all this talk about facing the front door and just looking out yeah. reminds me of a great game that you and I would play oh, somewhat yeah. often. Now there there's at a lot of retailers aren't necessarily large pockets of downtime mm-hmm. in most big box or retailers that quote everybody goes to. There's very rarely like true downtime, maybe little pockets that are cherished, but mm-hmm. there's almost always something going on or people coming in. There, there was a game that we invented over the years and you and I and a number of people that we worked with together played it. Uh, where we it was called Presume Statistic, and it's yep. a great downtime game. Yep. Do you remember the first Presume? Well, I guess we should say the rules of Presume Statistic exactly. first. Uh, so first, it would, it would basically be like you just make up an inane fact, and it could be anything from uh, a party quirk to like some like <laughs> we probably won't get into it on this podcast. Something like graphically sexual, or sure. just just something that would just be like, hey, we're gonna presume this is true, and you would just assign an arbitrary number. Uh-huh. It was like, okay, the fifth person from when I say go that walks through the door, we just have to presume that, that this is a thing. And it was always good for a laugh because it was, somehow it would always fit. And it, it's now, and now I don't want anybody to spin this or you know, hyperextend their social media right. uh, outrage justice bones or anything like that. It was just a dumb little thing where you would have, we would just pre-plan it in your mind and you just couldn't get it out of your head that, okay, the fourth person that walks in the door has used a turtle for sexual purposes or whatever the hell it was. And you're right. 90% of the time that fourth or fifth person who comes in looks like the person who would have done just what you said. So that's, I mean, that's the the fun part of it is seeing who that person is. And sometimes like, okay, maybe this doesn't line up with what we were goofing about, but that's, that's a Kevin Harvey classic. That's a good game. Yeah. Presume, presume statistic was, always a that was always a good yeah. one and plus it's you've got to do stuff to it, this is something i always maintained as a leader and there's some that will dispute this mm-hmm. uh, i guess but number one you've got to know something about your employees besides what is their name what do they do here and like what's their sales metric i mean every workplace has performance in a retail it's almost always sales or percentage of mm-hmm. a kpi or something that you're going after in a given time and I always feel like you should be able to at least say two or three things about that person that have nothing to do mm-hmm. with the job that they have. And this would just be like goofy little ways. Now, it wouldn't always be like, hey, sexual turtle or anything that right. would do with the employees. But uh, just something to to make it fun because a lot of times the, the retail is one of those things. And you and I were talking about this before the mics were on. 
there's a lot of good in retail. And that's kind of the central part of this podcast. There's so much good in the retail mm-hmm. world, and it really can be what you make of it. And I think you and I were both in points where when we exited retail, I don't think we realized how burned out on retail we were. Right. And, and maybe not, maybe burnout isn't quite the word, but like that, maybe our, the bloom was off the rose for us. Sure. So we didn't realize, you know what? Maybe some of the, maybe some of the things I was feeling, maybe if I can quote Ron White, maybe it's me. Uh-huh. And did you feel that? I, I don't know that the the more I'm out, and it's kind of true about any <laughs> abusive relationship. Right. I'm not trying to laugh or make light of abusive relationships. I speak as somebody who was maybe in one to a degree at one yeah. point in my life. Sometimes you don't know how thick into the shit you are until you've had the opportunity to be out of the shit sure. for a little bit. And the more distance and time there is, I see things like, whew, I'm not sad that I'm not going through this thing that's coming up or right. the holiday season, whatever it right. might be. Yeah, I mean, career-wise, as I mentioned earlier, I had a little bit of direction saying I want to do something you know, law enforcement, police-wise. Uh, but then, I mean, I think just tastes and things change and life changes and life doesn't always happen when you want it to and you know the more I was learning about that profession the less I wanted to do it and then you just you need a job to make ends meet and that's kind of I think where the retail hook gets you right you meet a lot of great people and you become good friends with them and you know the people I met at my first job ultimately I became good friends and that helped me get my second job which was retail and then the good friends I made at that second job helped me get my third job ultimately with you and it's like you just build this small world of great people that you surround yourself with and yeah you kind of get stuck in it and you to your point you learn and you grow and you challenge yourself and there are so many things that I learned working at the company that you and I worked for that are really transferable skills and I think that's one thing a lot of people overlook with retail is like sure there's a clerk like aspect to it where you're just ringing out gadgets and that's it but you know there's things like drive for results and you know how to motivate others and you know the, that list goes on and oh, on sure dealing with ambiguity and so like to your point getting burnt out I think you you grow as a person you change as a person and then you look back at the career you have you had and you're currently in and yeah your, your tastes change and yeah like on launch days or even Black Friday oh my god like Black Friday was such a wild day to work I'm sure you have stories I have stories oh yeah and I mean that's kind of a largely exciting day but you could only do 14 or 15 Black Fridays before you go I've had enough of this. I need to change it. So yeah, and it's it's not definitive, but you, you get to a certain point where you go, I need a change. This isn't working for me. Um, and you just go on and you do something else. And then you and I can now look back at those jobs you've had. Um, and I like going back. It's so funny, you know, obviously Circuit's been out of business for a long time, but a lot of Halloween stores like to rent out old circuits. Yep. And I relish going in there because I can just like, I go, that's where the DVDs were. That's where, you know, computers were. Um, and so small things like that, I, I, I relish like these kind of old rare fossils, but I'm so appreciative. I'm not there anymore. Yeah. The, the big box consumer electronics that that's a very specialized thing. And I, and we're talking about stores in the ballpark of circuit cities, best buys, mm-hmm. some of these things. And you, you and I have experience from some of the different big boxes there. And man, I'll tell you, I did one black Friday at a, in a mass consumer electronics like that, where, and we're talking about, and I'm not going to say the company for, you know, hashtag lawyers, uh-huh. uh, but I worked for one big box consumer electronics retailer and it was the kind of place that would have, Oh, we're going to do this, you know, door buster TV limit four per store. And you don't have the ticket and just the, mm-hmm. some of the, 
the weird things and it, part of it's the culture I think of just what Black Friday is. Some of it I know varies company to company, but I always liked the old. Uh, I don't know. It just it never made me feel good. The, the volume it would bring out the worst in consumers. Mm-hmm. It always seemed to bring out the worst mm-hmm. in consumers because they you know they aren't sleeping. <laughs> they're camping out overnight. They're underslept. They're ornery. And it was we've talked about on this show and you t- I talked about earlier today too. You, you don't know what kind of baggage somebody's bringing in. In mm-hmm. Black Friday, people are bringing in a lot of baggage. They may have been having dinner with relatives they can't stand the day before. They may not have slept in the last 48 hours. They were just outside in the cold. All to get this computer that's only $300. But then some companies do the old, oh, but we're going to take one of the six computers we got, and we're going to pre-install them uh, with yeah. like a bunch of upgrade packages. Stuff you don't want. Yep. Oh, if you want to get this, you have the three hundred dollar computer. Yeah, we do. It's uh, we only have the seven hundred dollar version though. What? No, mm-hmm. no, it's a three hundred dollar. Well, no, we put more RAM in there, mm-hmm. and we installed uh, anti spyware, antivirus, uh, and did whatever deleting garbage apps different companies right. <laughs> call it. Where it's basically yeah, we emptied the trash, and that was it, that never felt real good. Like oh, you're you're waited overnight to get this super doorbuster computer. You made it, uh-huh. but it's gonna cost you four hundred dollars more than you thought. Yeah, at one of those retailers, they love bundles. Like we had these big blue rubber bands that you would find everywhere. And it's like, if somebody wanted a game console, you would rubber band an HDMI to it. You would sneak a game in there. You would sneak like a disc cleaner in there. You'd sneak an extra controller in there. Um, I mean, obviously the accessories is the high profit. So I get the business behind it, but yeah. And then throughout the day, you would just see people ripping off these rubber bands and just the accessories would kind of go all topsy turvy. <laughs> but yeah, no, uh, yeah, I'm right there with you, man. Yeah. that I remember that one black Friday was crazy. It was the line, once the store was open, serpentined all the way through the store. And there was mm-hmm. a method to the madness. Like, mm-hmm. there was a, okay, the line will go this way, then it will turn this way, yeah. go through this department, et cetera. And, and every store probably did it different. But our end of the line, which was at, the, like, the complete opposite ass end of the store from the front door, we had uh, the le- last person in line had a Mylar Elmo balloon. Yep. Helium Elmo balloon. One of my companies tied, did that, too. Uh, tied to their, like, a belt loop, and then, I don't know, 8, 10, 12, whatever length of ribbon. You look for the balloon. Yep. We're, okay, where's the checkout line? You see Elmo back there? Yeah. Yes. You mean some child didn't just lose their balloon? Nope, that's the uh, end of the line. That's the end of the line. And then you try to package it nicer, like, yeah, just go back there to Elmo. Hey, almost only halfway through the store. This would right. be great. Uh, you want to buy Batman Begins? Yeah, it's only going to take you 45 minutes. Uh-huh. It's going to be great, that $5 Blu-ray, isn't it? I tell you what, I mean, there's a lot of good Black Friday stories. You know, I, I only have one that I just remember so vividly, and it's not super exciting, but it's a short story. And I was ringing out home theater goods, and, you know, so I'm behind a counter, so I'm protected, right? And it's a lot like a zombie movie. You're just flooded with people. And we had a bomb deal on these huge floor-standing speakers, and this little lady came on by, and she bought two of the speakers, I think, as a gift for her husband, which was really cool. So I helped get her in a cart. And I ring her out, and she's so excited, and she's like, all right, I'm going to leave. And she turns around, and there's just a mob of people. And it was just like watching her leave. I'm like, I don't know how she's going to make it out of the store with these massive speakers, but it was like, just good luck to you. <laughs> and it's it's a wild experience. I've never been the customer in a Black Friday, but, um, yeah, I've worked plenty to know that anything can happen. Yeah, I, I never will be that customer on a yeah. Black Friday. There was only once from 1996 to present was I off on Black Friday. And I honestly think it was like a clerical error, yeah. scheduling error. But I even double-checked with my boss at the time. I think it was, it was either 07 or 08. 
And I was like, hey, man, I was, I'm off that day. Is this? He's like, yeah, well, go ahead and take it. I think we got enough coverage. And that day, I still lived in my apartment at the time. And uh, <laughs> I closed all the blinds. Uh-huh. Like, I, I, it's like zombie apocalypse. I closed all the blinds. I ordered uh, takeout. For, I think I made breakfast and then ordered takeout for my other two meals. It was, I am not, like, I know what is out yeah. there. I am not going into it because it, as the employee, I kind of like, I did, not going to be as brazen to say like, Oh God, I hated black Friday, but it was something that if ever given the choice of being in a black Friday situation or not being in a black Friday situation, now that I have more of a choice, I'm always going to choose the not because yeah. there's the, when you are the employee, you know what you're in for, mm-hmm. leave yourself longer time to park. I'm going to be in the building here to there. Mm-hmm. But if you're just Going with the intent of, like, if you're going to a super Walmart or something like that, hey, I just want to get, like, three Jack's pizzas. Right. Whew. That's, uh, you have no idea how much time of, you in your, almost any other day, that's maybe a 7 to 12 minute process. If you, even if you to do that. Even if you have to park far out and walk into the Walmart, there's a line at the checkouts, you know, it's going to be maybe 15 minutes on the high end. Even like when you and I would work product launches, right? These were huge, I mean, almost televised events. And I couldn't believe the people who'd show up to buy like an adapter or something small like that. Cause it's like, do you know how much you know, parking slash traffic slash people you're going to have to wait in front of to get this one thing. If you just a got it yesterday or B get it tomorrow or, you know, Amazon ship it, that would be just the way best move to do. So Rob, you shared some relatively, uh, I would say relatively calm Black Friday yeah. stories. Surely you've got a nuts one or two, right? I'll be frank. I don't know if I do. I mean, I have a lot of the classic stories, right? Um, you know, upset people. They didn't get that certain ticket, that certain hot item. Uh, mine have been pretty tame. And again, you know, I was just ringing out things. I wasn't necessarily the leader of the store or running anything big. Um but I, I started to disappoint, Kevin. I really don't have anything wild and crazy. Well, I, not necessarily Black Friday. We we talked about it as little as possible earlier because we wanted to really recount the details. Right. But there was a what may be a picture perfect retail that uh-huh. you and I were were both part of. Just because it's, uh, I feel like the real fun in retails are the ones that somebody who maybe hasn't worked in retail or even someone who has. It just seems like it's a wild and crazy story, but mm-hmm. still illustrates the importance of maintaining composure and seeking to understand all the details. And you and I dealt with a, a young man who let's just call him bingo. Bingo. <laughs> let's change his name. You know what I'm talking about with bingo? Absolutely. I do. So walk me through, uh, I guess the story of bingo. It really started with you. It did. And this is such a good story because we have so many different elements to it, but yeah, I was ultimately leader on the floor. So you're basically managing the flow of the business that day. And this, gentleman named bingo came in and was really upset about the weight to get his device looked at for repair and i think the wait was like 30 to 45 minutes which if you knew this retailer really wasn't that bad plus you're in a downtown area so there's a lot to do bookshops coffee shops etc um but so i'm talking to this guy i'm trying to kind of calm him down a little bit and i could smell alcohol in his breath which is always a a warning sign and the long story short version, I get him calmed down, you know, we make him, you know, an appointment and he leaves. It just so happens that after I diffused that bomb, I went on lunch. So I'm on lunch in our break room and then I get a text from you, Kevin. And the text reads something like, hey, do you have Bingo's device? 
I go, of course not. I would never take a customer's <laughs> device, right? Yeah, it, it's, one of those lunch te- break. it's one of those texts that I am sending just to cover the right. base. Like I know there is essentially no combination of ingredients on this earth where this recipe makes sense that that Bobby Rob or whatever I've called you 10 different uh-huh. times to this point. I, I basically know you don't have it in your pocket, but in that one in a million chance. Yes. So I, I obviously text Kevin back. Of course, I don't have Bingo's device. And what had happened was when this person had to wait the 30 to 45 minutes, they went to a local bar and they had even more drinks. And so when they came back, they were even more gone than they were in the first place. And this guy starts doing the pat down of himself and he ends up, he had the device on him all along. It was in a pocket he overlooked. (laughs) It was like in the left pocket instead of the right or something just off center enough from his compulsive habits. Right. So there we go. There, there's the second crisis adverted. He has his device. Um, I don't know what was wrong with it, but ultimately it was repaired and bingo left. When bingo left, Kevin, that's where I'm going to turn the story over to you because that's the story isn't over yet. Yeah, I'm, I'm trying to remember the kind of the chicken and egg version of this story. Did you like call? First. Oh, I think you call. Well, well, we saw police speed by the store at some point. I feel like we saw the flashing lights go by. And then later that night, uh, an, an officer who I happen to yep. know from working in this area for a long time. Uh, it's an officer that I had a very friendly rapport with inside and outside of retailer to police. And just as civilians, we enjoyed each other's company, et cetera. And he happened to come in. He was in uniform. <laughs> he said, hey, you guys having a, a busy night? Because I think we'd seen the mm-hmm. you know a lot of cars clearly going to something eventful. Mm-hmm. And he said, yeah, this this guy got drunk down here. And uh, he decided he'd just get into his car. And I forget, he like wrapped it around a tree or a yeah. phone pole or something. Now... To preface this, we wouldn't be telling this if everybody wasn't okay. There were no yeah. fatalities. Nobody was hurt. So let's let's take that you know that round out of the chamber for a minute here. Um, but it was something where I, I feel like I even you and I were talking about like I don't know where he's going, but mm-hmm. I sincerely hope it's not to get in a car. Exactly. Now, granted, we're in a retailer. We aren't bartenders. We aren't in a spot where we can say, "Hey, we've served him, and we know he's had this much to drink." And we can only tell you, hey, he walked that way. We don't know if he got in a car, no, nor is that our job. Mm-hmm. Like it, It's something where we can sincerely just hope. Of the many places we hope he goes right now, a, a driver's seat is not one of them. Well, well uh, bingo, he, uh, he got in the driver's seat, and he, he had a little bit of a rough night. Yeah. And I think I remember asking the officer, I said, then I know you maybe can't tell me this, but it's like, was his name Bingo by yeah. any chance? And he, wait, how, how did uh-huh. you know? Like, was like, what? It's like, it's like, oh my God. He's like, and I kind of felt, bad. I was like, was there anything we could have or should have done to maybe stop it? He's like, what could you have done? Like right. you're, you're a retailer. You're trying to provide the guy a service. Mm-hmm. Like you have no control over that guy going to get in a car. Now, I think just as a private citizen, if I had seen him get in a car, license plate, such and such and drive, I probably would have, off the clock mm-hmm. made a phone call like hey guys somebody who i know to be drunk was here but but we couldn't do that that's way out of scope for what we realistically could do but it was he was really getting loud and i forget did i at one point step in once you were back to the equation basically to tell him in a much more polite and composed way mm-hmm. hey dude calm the fuck down or we're gonna throw you out of here that sounds did, right did it get to, yeah I, I thought it got to that point with 
with old farmer and the dog bingo here. But I mean, I tell you what, I've worked with a lot of customers and you work with obviously great people and you work with really frustrated people, but intoxicated people were single-handedly the worst in my experience. And I'll share one more story of the worst customer experience I think I've ever had. And this was years ago. And ultimately I was a technician in this situation. And it was another example of somebody shows up to get X device fixed and we quote them, let's just say another 30 to 45 minutes. And there's so many good restaurants and bars in the area that you and I worked that inevitably they end up at a bar and they order too many drinks and they come to our store. So that's what happened. I had another intoxicated customer came in. Um, you know, I forgot what the issue was, but she was, she was so drunk that she couldn't type in her email. So she's handing me the device and I'm typing it in for her. And long story short, I wanted her gone. I go, you know, listen, you know, there's a small thing here. You, you know, we need to check in for repair. I don't want you here anymore because of how kind of over the top you're being like, we're just going to replace this. Like you're, you're within warranty. Everything's covered here. And so, you know, we're going ahead and you know, when you work with electronic devices, the number one thing you ask is, is everything backed up? Yep. And she goes, oh, I, I have nothing on there. I have just the Facebook app. I go, great. We can get the Facebook app back. And I'm going through her phone and legitimately it's barren. You know, there's the Facebook app and maybe a weather bug app and that's it. I go, you sure? You sure everything's good? I'm fine. I'm fine. Okay. Erase the phone. Obviously, we don't want their data. Give them a new device. And as they're powering up, they go, wait, where are my phone numbers? And apparently, she had gotten some guy's phone number like the day before, was trying to see this guy romantically, and now that number was gone. And I got you involved with that. Yeah, this is ringing a bell. Because this person was obviously upset. And again, I've been doing this so many times. I ask almost three times to the point where it's redundant and almost condescending, but we want to cover all bases. And that was the only time I was worried to leave a store because I think they left but because she had a friend with her. And I think they came back and you had asked them to leave again. And I remember watching them hover the front of the store, like waiting for me to leave. Yeah, it's the the intoxicated person that and there'll be an episode airing either a week before or a week after this one drops Mm -hmm. with you i interviewed my neighbor a guy named tj so if you have heard it that's who we're talking about if you haven't heard it it's coming up and i actually because tj had a lot of restaurant experience i asked him specifically about like intoxicated people because there's usually a at Mm -hmm. least uh we were more of a retail and versus not retail versus but his experience was far more restaurant and when I, I didn't, I don't know that I really connected until talking to you right now. For us, a drunk person in a retail store stands out like a sore thumb, like it's an event. Yeah. But if you're a restaurant and a bar, tell me about a time when a drunk person came in yesterday, right before I left. Right. Like, like it's an everyday occurrence there, but it's, it is in a retail store. A drunk person is kind of like a penguin in the middle of the desert. It you're just, right. it stands out like this. It's not that it doesn't belong there, but it's just, everyone's probably going to notice because the things are going to happen. Uh, it doesn't happen often, too. Yeah, the and just in the service realm, and th- this is something that I'm sure that I, I know there's people out there talking like, oh, what retail are they talking about? Or folks that you and I have worked with in our mm-hmm. past, oh, where's the good store? A lot of these stories are interchangeable. And consumer electronics, like every store, mm-hmm. every retailer has a service and support area of their business. They have sales departments, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, and one that, uh, d- to speak to the importance of backing up data that you just mentioned it was something that was somebody was like off their rocker and we're talking like still complete sentences still able to be understood but just really 
that disproportionate, like you need to calm down or you need to go kind of mad to the point where like other customers are even like taking other seats farther away. And so I, it was one of those, nobody had called me in yet. She hadn't necessarily asked for a manager. The technician hadn't really said, Hey, I'm, I'm going to need a backup on this, but it's one of those. And, and you've been in leadership positions too, mm-hmm. where, you know, that sometimes you just see the body language or you hear the voice going up where, you know what, I'm going to hover over there because I'm not going to wait for that person to say, I need a manager. Like if they're going to treat my employee like crap, I would rather see that. So I don't now come in and say, Hey, I'm going to treat you like an angel and you're going to love me. Oh, you just told Rob to eat a bag of dicks. Right. Uh, oh, well let me give you the moon or something. Like sometimes I, I don't mind seeing that so I can stand behind the employee provided they're giving a good quality of service. Right. Well, we've talked about, you never know what kind of baggage there is. And sometimes you just don't know what in a situation in tech support is most important to somebody. And oftentimes it is not the device itself. If somebody tips a glass of wine onto their computer, if that's a college student, they don't, it's not the, whatever their amount of repair could be. The repair could be $1, repair could be $1,000, could be irreparable and you have to buy a new computer. Remind me things found in electronics. <laughs> Ooh, yeah, we'll definitely circle around to that. But it, it, it's not the wine, it's not the cost. It's like, I'm a college kid. I was working on my thesis or I was working at like all my, or it's a, a parent who all the photos of my child from birth to age 10 exist only to my knowledge on this device. And there's some really profound things and you really can't predict what's gonna be important to people. And there was, so this customer I was talking about where I just see her absolutely, throwing a fit wouldn't be an unfair description of what was happening. And so I step in and I just try to immediately do like the polar opposite, like almost politician glad hand, you're like, hey, how are you doing? My name's Kevin, I'm the manager here at retails, et cetera, et cetera. And she just, she actually got way worse when I was talking to her. Cause I think it was, Oh, you're a manager. So I'm going to empty the clip now. And it's a couple different times. I've said, Hey, I'm talking to you calmly. I'm going to ask for just that same respect. Like I want to get to the root of what's going on. And fundamentally now, very rarely is the hardware diagnosis for a trouble with piece of technology, truly the root of the issue. Mm -hmm. Sometimes, I mean, anybody who's a technician can look at say a smartphone with a broken screen and go, I'll bet they're here because that screen's broken. Not exactly rocket science, but, but this was one where it was very apparent that this piece of technology, the entire piece of technology needed to be replaced. And we're talking, it was looking just at the brass tacks, this person has a problem with a device. It's a very tangible problem. We can duplicate the problem. It's inside of a warranty. We can give a completely new device in its place. And so it's one of those, okay, we we literally can't do anything more mm-hmm. without getting into something crazy. Like now I'm gonna give you a case or a free a free ham or something to try to try to appease it. And then finally, after I gave her like the final, I need like we have a solution for this and I I understand, like, you're upset at the the general scope. I said, I'm going to be as transparent as I can. I don't have a lot more that I can provide for you like this. I, I can't make it any freer than it is. Just I just need one thing from you. I just need you to calm down. And she finally, like, erupts with the, the smoking gun of this whole thing. If I don't get the baby dick dicks transferred to my daughter's zoo, and then she transfers this, then I'm going to miss out on one million zoo bucks. Really? And I was just like, I had to kind of contain the laugh because number one, it was finally like, okay, I won. She finally like 
came out with the issue because I was trying to find that that whole time. Like, and, and with personal devices, yeah. I'm thinking, okay, is this like uh, with a phone? Maybe it's of the last voicemail I got from my dad before he passed away, sure, or, I've it's, gotten those. or it's or it's photos of the the birth of a child, mm-hmm. or, or maybe a legal document. Like I'm. Uh, I'm in a divorce and the texts from my sure. my cheating ex are on there that, that prove this. And you, you just never know what somebody's personal information is on there. But yeah, this for all the scene this woman made, and I remember specifically it was baby dick dicks, D-I-K-D-I-K. It was the baby I dick dicks. I thought I heard you say that. But it was, she yeah. had to get the, like, I don't know, her, it was, I think the game was Zoo Tycoon. It was some zoo Sure, sure, anyway. that sounds right. But it was... She had the baby dick dicks, and before the stroke of midnight, central time, she had to move the baby dick dicks to her daughter's zoo on her device, or she lost out on, and it might not have been a million zoo bucks, but it was a substantial right. amount of zoo bucks. And, and that was the thing that set her off. And who knows, maybe there were other circumstances. Maybe there was a, a relative had passed away, somebody's sick. Maybe she got in a car accident that week, and it was a rough week. You just never know, but yeah, that was the thing. The baby dick dicks. And I'll let you guess the wonderful, colorful metaphors that I have in my, uh, right. <laughs> my Rolodex of how I remember this this whole scenario. But, yeah, she's she's basically at one point literally motherfucking me about the, the this problem with her device. I'm like, like I, have, I have the solution. Like, I'm, I have everything you're asking uh-huh. for, and it's free. I just need you to stop calling me names and swearing at me for like 38, 40 seconds, somewhere in there. And so once she finally got there and the, the saving grace in all of it was, okay, fine. I know what the problem is. And it was whatever it was, whatever the app was, was one that was really popular at the time. Like when Farmville was popular, Mm -hmm. everybody had Farmville, right? I knew that, okay, that's a game that you can probably just log in. Saves on a a server somewhere. Yeah, exactly. And so we had the so before we even erased the the original sure. device, which if you don't know, that's kind of a ritual in consumer electronics. Yep. Is if you're taking in something, you got to make sure the information's off there. And it was basically it's like you were saying, just type in your name, and your your email address, or whatever the account mm-hmm. info was. And the woman actually hugged me, and I think she may have kissed me on the cheek too, because I remember being like, "Ugh." Any apologies? Person. You think? Yeah. Okay. No, I don't think it was an apology, but it Maybe was like was enough. I would. I don't think there was apology, but I do think there was an overcompensatory thanking. Yeah, I remember uh, something similar, a little bit more serious than Zoo Tycoon. But I was leading the floor, and I got brought into a situation where, again, with Theta, we had to replace a device, and this gentleman was running his business off of his device, and he had lost all of his business contacts, which is agreeably a very bad thing. Yep. And so we're turning over every stone. And I mean, we're going above and beyond with every tool we have to exhaust everything. And the specialist working with this gentleman swore that he saw the timestamp of the backup and there's something here and it's missing and it's gone. And this goes on for probably 45 minutes. And these, you know, the specialist and the customer, they're just, they're turning over every stone and I do my due diligence. And at one point I walk over to, to have that hard conversation of like, Hey, you know, as it turns out, it may or may not be backed up here. Are there any residual backups? Do you have any other options? No, all my clients are gone. And again, about an hour goes by and the specialist goes, wait a second. I thought I saw you had an old AOL email. And he goes, yeah, but I haven't used that in years. And the specialist to his credit goes, 
let's just try that old AOL email as you're logging to the server to get the data. Throws in the data, all of his business contacts comes back. And that's to back up, mind you, this guy's talking, I'm going to get a lawyer, I'm suing you. You swore everything was backed up. And all along, he completely didn't know his credentials. And, you know, uh, uh, hey, I'm sorry, man. I just got caught up in the heat of the moment. Would have sufficed. Instead, just got up and left. And it was, some people get crazy like that, man. Yeah, and it, it's a hand of the fire. And who knows what kind of business you ran? Is that, right. you know, is that 1,000 contacts? Is that 10,000 contacts? You just don't know sometimes what you're dealing with and in the consumer electronics world and you, anybody listening to this right now you're probably there's a i would say a north of 75 percent chance you right now are listening to this on some variety of either a smartphone a tablet or a mm -hmm. computer those are pretty much the three by and large primary ways you could get it and probably a smartphone do you know if you drop your phone in the toilet today if you're going to be fine do you know you have your information backed up i'm going to ask you this hit pause right now on retails check and see if your phone's backed up and if you aren't sure how that works ask somebody when you get to wherever you're going that you think probably knows the answer or go to a consumer electronics specialty retailer yes. or a repair center or something make sure your stuff's backed up because that's always kind of my yardstick mm -hmm. for if you drop your phone in the toilet mm -hmm. taking a piss are you equipped for what comes after that. Usually your phone is probably going to be <laughs> fried in, in some capacity, no matter how liquid rated it is or anything like that. Kevin, I'm so happy you said that. And somebody listening to this might say, well, hey, I'm not a tech guy. You know, I build homes. I might be a doctor. I might be a fireman. It's your job to know technology. And I completely get that. But do you know how easy it is to back up a device? You can ask Siri or whoever those other kind of AIs are, and they will tell you within 30 seconds how incredibly easy it is. And I've worked with doctors and lawyers who have, I can't tell you how much confidential and important data on their device, and whether they spilled a glass of wine on it, or whether just the device had a failure and they lost that data. I can't imagine how disruptive that would be. And not knowing is not an excuse anymore, because we all have a small computer in our pocket. All and Listen, I use YouTube. I don't know anything about cars, I taught myself through YouTube how to change the brakes on my car. It took me a while, but I did it. And that's just the day and age we live in is it's just so easy to get that data. So I think that's that we'll get off our, our pedestal on that one. But yeah, pause this podcast right now if you don't have the answer to Kevin's question. And we're back. Alrighty. <laughs> should I put Johnny in there or should I have Johnny play a lick? That, I think that's a good I think idea. That's a good, I think that's a good insert Johnny lick there. But eh, we'll see. Through the magic of post-production, I probably won't do anything. It'll just be five seconds of awkward silence. Perfect. It'll be great. Oh, man. the uh, you, you bring up a point that I, I think strikes a chord with both of us. It, it's something that I saw, and I, I worked at sort of three different, distinctly different flavors of retailer. Mm -hmm. I worked in a hypermarket, and I worked in two companies that were both fundamentally consumer electronics, but like, opposite ends of the spectrum in consumer electronics but they all have one thing in common of you you get somebody that just decides i'm gonna sue you that somehow some way the conversation gets that way i am going to sue you mm -hmm. and there's always a, a part of you that uh, depending on the circumstances there's sometimes where you may have to wonder like yeah they, they may have something here like maybe our company screwed up in some way sure. maybe we shorted out something electronically sure. or maybe we hit a button that basically erased <laughs> something. Uh, but then there's sometimes where you just have to wonder like for what exactly? Yep. Like what, what law was broken? Yes. What, what laws, what, what crime has been? My uncle's here? an attorney, you know, 
No, really? For your zoo tycoon bucks that you've misplaced your password now you don't know where it is? Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, it, it's something where I, I think that's, I don't know, that's probably a bigger narrative that maybe retails isn't the place, but this reflexive, sure. this reflexive, I'm going to sue, I'm going to come after somebody like, my house burned down a few years ago. I probably could have done something in the realm of a loss. And for a lot of reasons, I'm not going to go into more specifics than mm-hmm. that on this podcast, but it is a fact that my home did burn down. It was not a result of something that I or anyone who lived in the home at the time tangibly did. It, knowing nothing more than that, I probably could have sued somebody. Like if a, if a appliance had malfunctioned or faulty wiring, or that, there's a lot of things where may, but I never even once really thought that like because you're a decent human being yeah and i think at the point where after a some time had gone i thought maybe i should at least ask this one question of an attorney because of the circumstances and the attorney even told me point blank like hey um you know you probably could do this and you would likely win in these circumstances but do you want to put the time, the effort. And they told me like, this is probably what I would charge you. Sure. And unless somebody's, unless uh, one of the parties involved, their last name is like Rockefeller or Trump or somebody that most would presume have, you know, heaps and heaps of money. It's like, what, what are you really going for? And I think that's uh, a lesson I would implore the listeners to maybe take away from this is if, as much as it seems like I will sue somebody because this large company probably has heaps and heaps of money. Mm -hmm. It's like, don't get those cartoon cash register eyes. Human beings work in retail stores. Human beings make errors, clerical errors, mechanical errors. We all mess up, man. And in the days of cancel culture and call out culture and I'll sue you, it's very easy to just, ah, get them. It's like, have you messed up this week? If you're listening to this podcast, can you say that at no point in the last seven days you have messed up anything in life, in work, at home? And at any point for one mistake, like, should should you be swinging from the gallows for that? Should you be unemployed now because of that? And I'm not saying there's never a case for that, but that's uh, that just seems it, it's a very reflexive thing in, in the world today. I'll sue you. I'm going to I'm going to tweet this. I'm going to yelp this. Everyone's going to know. Mm-hmm. It's like. Oh, I'm not saying there's never circumstances that warrant it, but it's it's not every time something doesn't go exactly according to plan. Well, I remember. For the short stint, I was a 911 operator. Obviously, you get a lot of fender bender calls and things like that. And I remember one specific call where they called and they said, hey, you know, I'm on the highway. I was just in an accident. And immediately, I'm like, you know, is everyone okay? And she goes, yeah, I'm going to need probably two ambulances for me and my friend. And, you know, I get a location. I go to dispatch. But before she hangs up the phone, I hear her turn to her friend and say, we want to sue these people. We're going to need two ambulances here. You and I are both injured. And then the phone goes dead. And so it's like that this litigious culture we live in that, you know, maybe it's like this weird lottery check you feel you won because you slipped, you know, going down the aisle at a big box store. Right. And now you're like, oh, I'm going to get a million dollar payday out of it. Yeah, it's it's a weird thing that people have their brain wired there that way, that that's something that they're going to try and pursue. And who knows if they're successful or not. And in this, the, the time that has to go into all of that mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe it's maybe my brain's just not wired that way. Mm-hmm. Maybe, maybe, I don't know, maybe in the right circumstances, it's probably possible to light that fuse. Oh, I got an example for you. Hit it. Non-retail. Uh, so I, this is a dentist story. So bear with me here. Ooh. I've had enough work done in my mouth that I could buy a used Honda Civic. <laughs> but I remember um, 
again, not to mention names here, but when I was younger, 15, 16, I went to a new dentist and you know, the first checkup, he goes, you have four cavities. Wow. Okay. I've never had one. So, you know, I, I trust him. He took x-rays. I get the four drilled. I come back six months later. I have three. Wow. Okay. I'm, I'm brushing a lot. Yeah. I like, you know, soda, but I can't think the occasion of soda is doing this. So now I'm up to seven. I go back six months later. He says, I have good news. You only have two. So now I've even last track. I think we're up to 10 and I go back for the fourth time and he goes, I'm sorry to say this. You have four more cavities and this is getting egregious. And keep in mind, I'm, I think 17 at this point. So I don't really know any better, but I, I wise up and go, I, I need to go see somebody else. And so I go to a, a different dentist, you know, not too far away. And he's like, eh, you got maybe one baby one. We're just gonna keep an eye on it. You're fine. And so now I'm thinking that this dentist for the last two years has been drilling healthy teeth. That's happened to me twice. That actually happened to me again uh, two weeks ago. I went to a dentist a year ago in uh, a town where we used to work in. And they go, yeah, you need three cavities and two crowns. I go, oh, my God. I don't have the money for that now. I'm going to wait. And then, you know, I switched employers. And then I'm in the process of moving. So the dentist falls off that. And I go to a second dentist who just happened to live closer to me. And he goes, yeah, you got a chipped tooth. You're fine. So a year's lapsed since I needed three cavities and two crowns, and now I have an honest dentist that's saying, eh, a chipped tooth, keep an eye on it. If it gets bad, we'll pursue that. And I remember calling my dad when I was, the first time it happened, you know, at 17, you know, almost in tears. Like, yeah, I can't believe the news I got. Dad, we're going after this guy. And, you know, at the end of the day, you have to prove that malicious intent. And I don't right. know how you do that. But that's the only time in my life I've ever wanted to sue someone kind of going off that story almost makes you wonder like even if you want to assume the best of intents with right. people was there something where like he just had like a speck of dust on the x-ray film you or something imagine, that just keeps right? d- just keeps kind of rolling through whatever the film development process or here's something. my crazy aluminum foil hat theory Ooh, bring so it. this has happened twice at the first practice i went to um after i left them they had a huge what had to have been a multi-million dollar remodel I mean, this is a big joint. This isn't just your Mr. and Mrs. Smith downtown. So I'm thinking maybe if there was pressure, like, hey, guys, if you see something and you're not sure if it's a decay or not, let's drill it. Because we have a $3 million bill to build <laughs> this new facility. Yeah. Maybe that was it. And the second place I went to where that happened, exact same thing. Brand new, beautiful state-of-the-art place, just built. I imagine that has to cost millions of dollars. Maybe there's that pressure from up above that says, you know, if you're not sure, just drill it. It's terrifying. Yeah, that that is terrifying. But the as you and I like to do with each other, oftentimes the devil's advocate. Let me play the other side of the card. How dare you, Kevin? What, what if that state of the art, multi million, billion, whatever yeah. business has just such more advanced equipment? Like they just got a new X ray machine or whatever diagnostic service okay. things they have that they just got the latest and the greatest, say three months ago when they finished this remodel and got all the stuff in there, and now you go to you know, Mr. and Mrs. McGinty's house of sure. dentistry and pretzels down the street. Well, strange, and they have yeah. an x-ray machine from 1987. They just use a magnifying glass, not even an x-ray machine. Yeah, just say, uh, yeah, ah, the one that's fizzing, you might want to do something Why about. Why is that x-ray uh, showing up on an Etch-a-Sketch? <laughs> uh, valid, valid complaint. Uh, I, I would say my only rebuttal to that is there was a year lapse and I've had zero pain in the mouth. So yeah. usually a cavity starts and it leads to a root canal. And then once it hits a root canal, you, you definitely feel it. But um, it's predictive dentistry. That's the, that's the <laughs> predictive, right. We're going to drill in case. This, exactly. Uh, in case Shock and effect. Like, Sir, that is not an x-ray. That's a Snapchat filter. Yeah. That is, that just kind of looks like an x-ray. 
I had a hard time figuring where I was going to split this audio track. I had just as much fun listening to this interview with Bobby as I did actually conducting the interview with Bobby. That's kind of glorifying it. It wasn't really an interview. It was just two friends talking, telling some retails. Well, now that I know what audio made the cut for this week, I know that the dialogue that Bobby and I had about unions and retail didn't really start. We didn't go into a really big, deep dive into unions and retail, but it's something that I definitely want to explore more. In the last week or so, really, I think just the last two or three days, there's been some big headlines about part-time benefits at Whole Foods, which is now an Amazon property being taken away. And I'm not going to say anything more than that is the headline. Find the article. Read it for yourself. I'm not here to throw any rocks at any retailers or anything of that nature. It's an article. It's out there for your information. But I think it raises an interesting question in general of what is the place of unions in retail? And I'm telling you, I've been on both sides of this coin. I have been a retail employee who was a dues-paying member of a union, and I have been a manager at several different companies, and some were union, some were not. And it's a funny word, that union. If you say it in a retailer who is not union, you're going to trigger a whole series of events for the management team and for probably even upper management, even beyond the store that you work in. Just saying that word, the U word, it kicks a hornet's nest. And I think it's worth having a discussion. I don't know that I feel unions are a fit for every single retailer out there, necessarily every single work environment. But I'm not anti-union whatsoever. I'm very pro-union in the right circumstances when it truly benefits the people of an establishment or for a labor organization. And I think there's a lot of people out there that might benefit from an open, honest conversation from somebody who's actually worked on both sides of that coin as the line-level employee, as a member of the union, who's seen benefits of being part of that union, and somebody who's been a manager in environments where there was a union and environments where there weren't. And I can tell you there's a lot of myths out there, a lot of myths, a lot of, I don't know, I don't know that anti-union rhetoric is quite the right thing, but it's something where, like anything in this world, not everything is for anybody, but I feel like with some of the headlines this week and just some recent events that I know have transpired in the world around me, maybe it's time to have a dialogue. If you want to have that dialogue, you know what? Email me at retailspodcast, R-E-T-A-L-E-S podcast at gmail.com, subject union. Now, before anyone out there conspiracy theories or anything like that, I am not a union. I don't work for a union. I have not. There's literally nothing in this for me. I just want folks to know what maybe their options could be, whether it's places they choose to work, where they do work, and maybe how a union could factor in or not factor into that. I think there is room for dialogue on the topic, and that's really all this is. Thanks to you guys for your patience for us getting back to another episode. Thanks to Bobby for This Is Part 1. I'm going to be thanking him again next week. Thanks to a guy named Bobby for joining us here. Remember, hit that subscribe button however you're listening. Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Play, and SoundCloud. And perhaps most importantly, thanks for stopping by Retails. Have a great day! (laughs) 